Okay. Welcome to episode 178 of the Twim Show. Today I'm going over the news and updates in the digital marketing space from the week of January 3, 20, oh, September 11th through 15, 2023. I forgot to update the show notes. Yeah. Anyway, first up, we have an announcement from TikTok. TikTok has officially launched TikTok Shop. I'm unsure if I had covered the launch or not the covered the launch, but the uh, in update when TikTok Shop was in beta. If not, I missed. Um, again, there's so many things I can squeeze into a podcast like this or a show like this. So what this basically means is Gen Z's uh, are using TikTok a lot. And then obviously people were, uh, you know, looking and businesses were kind of putting products up there and then they would click on it and they would go to Shopify and they will check out from there. Now, TikTok shop brings it all into the TikTok app itself. And it's big for TikTok. This is where Instagram failed. And TikTok shop, uh, by the way, I read, I feel like you know, it's also threatening or going to take a slice of the e-com market share from Amazon. Because not only is TikTok just going to allow you as a creator or as, as a you as an e-commerce store owner to sell your products through on TikTok, you can actually do fulfilled by TikTok. This is where it's, it's uh, getting you know, head-to-head with Amazon. And remember, it's big with Gen Z, right? The hashtag TikTok made me buy it is quite popular. The next up is also, uh, obviously, Google should also be threatened because, uh, you know, Gen Zers are spending more time in TikTok and TikTok has become a big discovery platform for Gen Zers. The other thing is, TikTok also has this affiliate thing built into the platform, the way I read it and the way I understand, I haven't used it because I don't have an e-com store. I wish I had that I could play around with. But the way I read it is like creators who have 5,000 followers and 18 years old, they can actually promote someone else's product on the TikTok platform and they will automatically go and get commissions. Can you imagine how big this is platform is going to be? And mark my words, it will become very big. This is where Instagram failed. Uh, in Instagram had all the things, but they missed this whole little part of affiliation. Now what's going to happen is you can go sign up. Anyone can go sign up, get an affiliate account on TikTok, and then promote any product they like. And anyway, people are doing it. You look at YouTube, people are already doing it. And the, the way they track it is, oh, click my link. And that's how affiliate programs are working. And I'm probably going on a rant for too long. But lastly, very quickly, I'm going to say that is the way the affiliate tracking has been has been broken, right? Because if you look at how affiliate works on YouTube, and that also works with ClickFunnels, so all the platforms out there is like, you click the link, it takes you to the seller's uh, platform, and then obviously it, it gets passed that, you know, it's from your account, gets passed through a UTM uh, parameter, which is basically all those extra uh, things, tokens, or key value pair that gets appended to the end of the URL with a question mark, and then blah, 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 blah. And that's how they track it. And then obviously, obviously, it's also setting a cookie and then doing all those things. But TikTok being on the platform, it is going to be massive. Uh, you know, I just tell you, mark my words. Uh, of course, you know, if this doesn't, if the prediction f- doesn't come true, you can also tell, hey, you were wrong, which is fine. But I feel like this is going to be huge. Okay. Oh, before I jump into the TikTok, uh, fr- away from the TikTok uh update. Uh, one thing I didn't cover about TikTok is TikTok has actually launched uh, 
a result of a study where this says, you know, traditional model of attribution is actually giving uh, the return on investment or return on ad spend on TikTok a lower dollar amount than it should be. Again, it's not covered because it's not really news. It's just TikTok saying, you know, hey, don't use last click. And yes, you should not be using last click if you're not, uh, because you should be using um, data-driven. And it seems like TikTok platform doesn't have data-driven yet, uh, but they are using, a, they are suggesting you use a different uh, attribution models. And I agree with TikTok uh, that last click is going to give you a very incon incorrect and inconsistent result. It's just not whether it's on TikTok or whether it's on Google, you should not be using last click just because customer buying journey is not linear anymore. Okay, I'm going to stop there. But if you have any questions about uh, last click or attribution, definitely ask me. This is one of my favorite topic and we can take it offline and we can talk in details a lot more. Okay, next up is Amazon has launched an AI tool to help sellers create listing content. This is all you need to, I guess, know. Uh, but other the another thing you should know is that it seems like they're claiming that, you know, if the AI system, the generative AI model can actually infer in infer improve and enrich product knowledge uh, based on the, you know, specifications you're providing. So for example, if it can figure out that the table is round if specification lists a diameter or in front of the color style of a shirt from its image. So basically, it's not just like, you know, spitting on, it's it's an AI plus, is what I would say, right? If your AI, I mean, I haven't seen it in action yet, but if the AI system can kind of figure out you know, hey, uh, looks like they're giving the dimensions. It's not square anymore. It's a round. So it's going to probably write a description that's saying, oh, this is a round table that you know, sit four people in a circle, things like that. Hope that helps. Um, go ahead and check it out if you're selling on Amazon. But then again, are you going to sell on TikTok or are you going to sell on Amazon? That's the question for you. Okay. Um, suspended Google advertisers need to uh, complete their verification before they can appeal. That's the st that's the news from Google. That starting 2023, if you are suspended, you need to first uh, go ahead and complete your business verification, and then Google will allow you to do an appeal and to see if they will reopen your account or not. And to appeal process for advertiser verification, you need to have a dance number, which is basically a unique number that gets assigned to your business. And if it's an individual account, you need to give your social security number. I would say if you're a business, other than that, why are you running ads? Go ahead, register an LLC, get a dunce number. You don't want to give your social security number to Google. Uh, you do not know how the, they, what their data practices are, which should be pretty good. Nevertheless, you don't want to give out your social security number unless you have to, okay? Get a dunce number. It's easy, it's free. Uh, They're going to try to upsell you some stuff. Uh, if you do not know how to get it, Google the word D-U-N-S number, and it's going to, uh, Dun and Bradstreet is going to prop up. Go ahead and get a uh, uh, free number. I believe it's free. It used to be free because I have gotten it for two of my businesses, right? And that was a while ago. Uh, if for some reason they charge you, because I remember last time I was doing it, they were trying to upsell me all these other bells and whistles. I didn't need it. I just got a uh, dance number. I'm happy with it. It's been working for us. And I've, we have done some government contract on one of the businesses, so I know it works. <laughs> Okay, and struggling, if you're struggling to get your uh, results from your YouTube ads, maybe the Creative Guidance AI from YouTube can help. Again, it seems like AI-based updates these days, but uh, what Google is saying, you know, they're, I mean, obviously it's the early phase, but they're saying 
their creative guidance can take a video and can tell you, hey, do you have a brand logo that shows up within the first five seconds of the ad? Uh, is the video ad the recommended length for its marketing objective? I like that. Does the video ad use a high quality human voiceover? I really like that. And the other thing that comes back is the aspect ratio. Does the video ad group includes all three video orientations, horizontal, vertical, and square? And you know, I've been looking at uh, running YouTube ads lately. I've spent quite a f- quite a I think I spent more time than I should have. Uh, in fact, I was looking at YouTube ads, some stuff uh, on attribution and uh, cookies and all the things, how the things get tracked. That's a story for another day. And, you know, I like this. Uh, I've looked at all the things, how to write a YouTube script last week, and we've created a script for our you know campaign that we're going to launch. Uh, we have looked at durations and everything. I really didn't know these four things. So having some sort of a help from outside kind of tell me, hey, seems like, you know, your video duration is off. Go ahead and do something about it. It will be helpful. Whether it works or not will remain to be seen, but I like it. Uh, it's like, it's a helper tool. Now, going into the SEO front, Google is saying don't stuff low-quality content at the bottom of your e-commerce category pages. What are category pages? Category pages are basically, say, you sell shoes. So that's a category page. And sometimes people, what they do is to make more SEO content or to make, you know, rank higher. They're going to stuff a lot of, uh, you know, uh, you know, unuseless content at the bottom of the page thinking you know hey this is going to rank us higher and google is coming out uh, well google's gary ellis is coming out and says please don't do that first of all uh, these are auto-generated low quality repeated blurbs of text over and over again on all your category pages it just looks silly even for an average person and it's not going to help you at all and you got to wait till the last update which we're talking talking about helpful content uh, update and you're going to kind of be able to piece together uh, why you know this matters okay next up is google saying you know the meta description length does not matter for seo right uh, this was uh, this ha- discussion happened on twitter which is also known as x or x which is used to be known as twitter and john miller just says you know hey length of meta descriptions does not matter for google search ranking algorithm however meta descriptions are still important for S- seo as they can influence click through rates and this was in response to someone that says, you know, uh, this SEO professional is saying, hey, one of my clients say 200, and three, 200 to 300 characters are uh, not good for meta descriptions, make it 155 to 160 characters uh, according to some Google algorithm, right? So the client saying, you know, we have heard from another SEO professional, like, you know, we need to have our meta description between 155 to 160, which I kind of know because I think there are tools out there that's going to say, hey, your SEO meta description is more than 160 characters. It should be ideally be 155 to 160. I know this uh, because I've used that one of those tools, but John is saying, look, meta description doesn't really matter. We don't really use that as a ranking factor. And the other news is that uh, John Mueller is saying, look, there is no such thing as back to the same for search rankings after a site revamp. What does that mean? It basically means that sometimes when you do a site revamp, your rankings will either say the same, maybe it will go down or maybe it will go up, right? Most of the time it will not stay up. It will either 
most uh, most of the time is either go up or go down. So there is no specific guarantee how your ranking is going to happen, what's going to happen, what's gonna, how long it's going to take us to stabilize and things like that. So having said that, my personal two cents will be that before you even start to revamp, and most of us, some of us, we get excited. I know I do. Where if I'm doing a revamp, I was like, start working with UI UX. I start dumping my idea, what I want the site to look. I want what the customer journey is going to look like, things like that. And then we start working with uh, our designer and they build the design, the framework. And, and then we go to the developer and say, you know, build this website. If you have a site that's ranking high, well, and if you need to change it, I would say start working with an SEO professional at the get-go. Right, have them take an inventory, take the figure out what content are ranking, what words are ranking, and things like that, because design plays a role. Right, design plays a role a big time, especially when it comes to uh, the. And I believe oh, it's the next update. I just looked at the notes. Uh, it's that you know uh, the core core web vital metrics, right? Uh, interaction to next frame, next paint, uh, FID is going away. But design plays a big role and you want to do it. And I've, I remember like many years ago, this should be about like eight or 10 years ago, I was at an event where a FCO professional was there presenting and she was sharing how for a large enterprise client, what they did was they took down all the SEO stuff, they looked at it and they figured out what pages they need to keep, how they need to do it, what they need to do. A, lo a lot of like about a week, I would say maybe a week, maybe a month, a lot of worth of analysis went in before they even started designing the new website, like, you know, putting it into a frame uh, like Figma or Adobe XD. I hope this helps uh, if you're considering updating your uh, website. Okay, next up. Google saying, again, John Mueller, he's saying, like, you know, fixing INP issues won't improve your search rankings. What is INP? INP is basically input interactive, interactivity, which measures how responsive a page is to user input by selecting one of the single longest interactions that occur when a user visits a page. Now, let me help, let me break it down for you. In short, INP basically means when the page is loading on your browser, how long does it take for you to put your mouse cursor into one of those? Uh, I guess, you know, if there is a form fill, how long does it take? Are you, is it like, you know, sometimes the page will load up, like especially those spammy news sites where, you know, it's going to load up and it's going to load up a bunch of ads all over the place. And, you know, it's up, but you still cannot like look around and do a lot of things. So that's what INP is basically there. And it is one of the three metrics that uh, is being used for core web vitals. Now, John is saying, look, yes, you can improve INP and you know how you can improve. I'm going to put a link in the you know this show notes. So go ahead and click on that and figure out uh, and do it on your own or get your uh, you know web developer or you know web guy or gal to do it for you. But where I'm going with it is like, it's going to lead into a better user experience overall, right? So the question for you is, do you really want to spend the resources to go fix INP? I think you should. Again, most people, most of us will not have a website that's really spammy. The sites that are, are will always be like that. Um, but it's still worthwhile for you to check INP and see what the numbers are and then go from there. Okay, 
That brings me to the last update of this week, which is Google has announced the September 2023 helpful content system update. I did remember I told you uh, wait till the last update when I was talking about stuffing uh, useless content at the, at the bottom of the category pages. This is what it is all about. So. What you need to know, obviously, it started off on September 14th. It's going to take about two weeks to roll out, and we will know when it's completed by Google is going to update and the documentation page, and obviously, yours truly is going to bring it to the show. Uh, the three things you need to know from this is that Google has kind of loosened their guidance on machine-generated content. Right? Previously, they said you cannot use at all for helpful, helpful content algorithm. Now it says, yeah, you can. Basically, what they're saying is we're going to look at the usefulness of the content, right? That EAT thing coming back into the whole thing. We're going to look into the, by the way, the first E of EAT is experience. Uh, they added it recently. So again, going back to the last, which is fixing the INP issues will not just improve your rankings, but it will actually help you. Uh, now, coming back here, uh, so obviously you want to have helpful content, content that is written for humans, not SEO only, right? A lot. This whole industry is focused on creating content that's going to help people rank higher and Google is really cracking this down, cracking down on that. Next is you need to know is, and obviously probably you're not doing it, uh, but a lot of people seems to be doing is they're hosting third-party content on subdomains or on a section of a main domain. So allow me to explain this to you. So say I am CNN.com and I'm, you know, you are very pop, you know, I'm very popular, at least, you know, I get quite a bunch of traffic and I rank higher. So what I choose to do is I rent it out to my friend. They said, hey, I'm going to give you a subdomain. Let's just say he's a coach. So coach.cnn.com and that subdomain is has all his or her content with the hopes that some of my you know, ranking power is gonna get uh, transferred over to the or ranking authority or my domain authority is gonna get kind of passed over, transferred over to coach.cnn.com, right? That's one one way. Or maybe you know, I say, you know what, I'm cnn.com, I'm gonna create a section called slash coach and all the content is going to be from my friend and I'm hoping that everything that is uh, the domain authority and all the ranks that I have is some of it are you know, are going to get passed over to that folder, that, sub, uh, that slash coach. Now, Google is coming, cracking down to the point where even Google's Gary Elias actually wrote a LinkedIn post three days ago, four days ago now. Uh, no, not four days ago, two days ago. Uh, anyway, um, he's basically, he's, this is what he has written. We have heard and also notice that some sites rent out their subdomains or sometimes even subdirectories to third parties, typically without any oversight over the content that's hosted on those new, generally low-quality microsites that have nothing to do with the parent site. In fact, the microsites are rarely ever linked from the parent sites, which don't actually want, want to endorse these often questionable sites. The only reason the owners of the shady microsites rent the subspaces is to manipulate such results. Boom. So, and I know I remember covering this and I'm telling you, you think you're smart and Google is not going to get the hang of this and you can manipulate search rankings and do black hack tactics. Please don't do it. When Google drops the hammer, you are screwed. Okay. And this is what it is. So this goes to, again, prove my point. I know none of my listeners 
are doing this, but this goes to prove Google will figure out sooner or later. So it's always best to take and do things the right way. <coughs> Excuse me. Lastly, Google has added these warnings on attempts to fake updates to pages and faking freshness. What does that mean? Google added this line. Are you changing the date of pages to make them seem fresh when the content has not substantially changed? Under the avoid creating search engine first content section. I see this personally, I've seen this a lot of times when they were just going to go change the date and last published, last edited and this thinking, you know, oh, Google is going to go ahead and say, oh, this is a fresh one let me go update it. So it seems like what's happening is Google is actually comparing the old version and the new version and they're going to decide whether it's going to be a substantial change or not. So folks, before I sign off for this week, I want you to know something. I want you to know that it's not a good idea to try to game Google, play the game right, create helpful content, create good content, and you will rank higher sooner or later, right? Trying to game the system or trying to create content that are only search engine friendly so you can be number one, it doesn't work. It's just temporary even if you get to the top, okay? If you are unsure what helpful content system is or helpful content update is, I I ask you to read the show notes because I've written a like, blurb on what this is all about because then I don't want to obviously drag on this show for any longer than it's needed. Uh, other than that, this is your host, Sajid Islam, signing off. Until next week, take care. Bye-bye.